You are listening to the Big Idea Big Moves podcast. Hi again, everybody. I'm Jamie Allison, and this is the Big Idea Big Moves podcast. It's the destination for high performers. We talk to people from different genres, different niches, people doing really cool things in their space. So we talk to athletes, we talk to CEOs, we sometimes talk to entrepreneurs and, and scientists, just people doing really cool things that we can apply some of those parts of their journey or the things that they have and tips and tricks and apply them to our own lives. And I know today I'm, I'm really excited about having uh, our guest here. Just before I introduce her, one of the things we want to make sure is we we talk a little bit about Pitomy Sportswear. They're uh, one of our supporters and, and they do some really cool things because they look at living life fully and they, they fit really nicely with the podcast in that it's not just about athletics. It might be going for a, a walk out uh, in, in kind of the, uh, the nice winter air if you're like us up here in Canada right now, but it could also be going to uh, um, your son or daughter's game and just being really comfortable doing that. So um, so we do like that they uh, connect with us. The other thing that they do is they give back to the community they serve as well. So they uh, work hard to impact the inequities in opportunity for girls and women in sport. And so they actually have a portion of their profits that go directly to organizations and initiatives that support girls in sport. So um, check them out either through our bio or go directly to Epitome Sportswear, E-P-I-T-O-M-E, sportswear.com, and uh, and check that out. And so uh, today, really a huge pleasure for me. I, I know um, that uh, that this is a, a very busy person, so I, I really appreciate taking your time, but a uh, huge pleasure to have Brooke Entz on the show today. You probably know her originally from her really strong showing and two event wins and a, a big overall finish at the 2015 CrossFit Games. She was strong in regionals and team events and, and some of those competition career stuff before then. But I know that she also had some back injury problems at, at a point in time. We'll talk a little bit about that. But then since then, she has thrived in a number of areas. And so she, uh, from building and supporting multiple businesses, including a skincare line for fitness-minded people, now she's, she's really got a, a strong podcast right now, a fitness app and pro programs and is a major influencer in the health and fitness uh, space and also has had roles in big budget films like Wonder Woman and Justice League, which is really cool too. So first of all, thanks for taking the time today. Um, Really appreciate it, Brooke. Oh, thank you. Thank you for being so flexible with my schedule when I was sick. Yeah. Right around around Christmas time. I mean, it wasn't even just my family. It was, I keep hearing about it from everybody. But there was just, you know, the the cold flu season that ran through (laughs) our household. I think I was, you know, dealing with like sinus cold, stuff like that for about three weeks. Wow. Yeah. It it seems that everybody's having it. Yeah. Like, and it's, it's, it's taken so long because it seems to go through entire families right now. So uh, nothing that's surprising, I guess, but um, you know, I'm glad that uh, you know, we're through it and and can take some time today. And, and obviously we changed things around just to be able to have you on, because I I think that not only your background um, fits well with the show, but I I really think a lot of um, kind of some of the things you've gone through and, and really kind of blossomed out of that, I, I think is a really cool story that we'd like to go through. Now you're not actively doing CrossFit competition. One of the things is that we're actually uh, talking on a day, um, you know, where Wadapalooza is going on and stuff like that. Do you, do you follow that stuff still, or is no. it completely out of mind now? No, it's uh, it's our mind. And like, when I am asked that, you asked me that question, right? Yeah. It's yeah. so funny because there's this sense of um, this feeling like, 
should I be like, do people, is that, it's almost like, is that what people are people going to be upset when I let them know that like, no, (laughs) I don't follow it. But realistically, when I was competing, you know, I was, I was a fan first, but I wasn't a fan. Like everyone's different. Right. And I'm so, I am so grateful and every athlete in that sport that has grown um, some sort of like business profile or format from their competing should be so grateful for the fan base because that's why we're cool. Right. The people, the people are why we have this. And, you know, and I've been through a lot of different stuff that has definitely lended a hand to a lot of men and women and, you know, in struggles they're going through. So it's really turned out to be a really wonderful thing, but there's always like a sense of, am I going to disappoint people when I let them know that I don't, I don't compete anymore. I don't follow it anymore. But realistically, when I was competing, you know, that's what I was doing. You know, I, it's, it really is a sport of, you can only control yourself and focus on yourself. You can't control anyone else. So you do the work, you show up and you, and you see what you got, you lay it out on the floor. So when I'm not competing, I'm not interested um, yeah. unless I have a friend or a very, like a, you know, a very like someone that I am interested in them. I'm invested in them and how they're doing at a competition. But with my company naked training, you know, we don't focus on competition. We focus on competition within our community. You know, we create opportunity to, you know, win cool things, promote health and fitness and transformation, not just of your body, but of your mind and your spirit. And so we're really focused on just the whole person and just regular people, you know, and I say regular people, I'm a regular person. When I'm yeah. not, if I'm not competing, even when I was competing, I'm just a regular person and we have life is crazy and it's long and there's all kinds of ups and downs. And it never just, for me, at least every time you think you're like, oh man, it life's good right now. It's like, ah, yeah, something's coming. There, there's always <laughs> going to be something. And, something's yeah. coming. I don't know what it is and it's going to be a challenge and it's going to be a struggle and it's, and we're going to have to get through it, you know, and no amount of podium finishes or awards or likes on Instagram or, you know, things like that is going to make it better. Yeah. And what it comes back to is all the work you're doing just for yourself as a person and your mind and, and your spirit. And that's kind of been the big focus for naked training is we've had a lot of people do the program and compete, but we don't really promote sport competition you know, we train health, you know, strength training and health and fitness for life and for keeping people moving and keeping them doing what they love, but we really don't focus on the competition aspect. So we don't, I don't have, I don't have much of a presence at local competitions or competitions unless if I was, you know, asked to come out and, you know, visit, or if I was there for a company thing, but as far as most, but of it's stuff part of a job when you do that, it's, it's yeah. not necessarily there because you're, the, unless, you're I, unless, I was, unless I was in the area, you know, sure, like sure. I'm in Utah, you yeah. know, I'm not going to fly, uh, you know, I'm not going to fly all the way across the country to spectate yeah. when, well, realistically, because I'm leaving with my family to Hawaii tomorrow. So, oh, wow, there, yeah. What's what's your choice? That that sounds like a pretty good choice to me. And and you yes. know what? When you say that, a lot of um, a lot of athletes we talk to who are who have kind of transitioned in some way or another out of the kind of professional part of their sport say the same thing that it's it's just for a period of time, especially. It's kind of like you no, know, I get to. 
I get to live life in a different way and I'm enjoying that part of it. And uh, I think if people follow you, they do see that you've got a real kind of broad interest base. And, and maybe that's the first question is knowing, you know, have you always had that? Have you always wanted to do different things? Have you had a, have you been an athlete that's kind of attacked different things instead of just one sport? Yes. And Jamie, I'm just going to say this really quick. I don't know if you can hear my mom's very old dog <laughs> who's yeah. barking right now. Yeah, I can hear a little bit of it. So, okay. yes. But his that's mom okay. probably left and he's losing his mind. <laughs> so, I have always had a lot of interests. In fact, if I really try to paint a good picture for everyone, when I was very young, I'm the youngest of four. Both my parents were business owners, athletes. Uh, competitive in things when they were growing up, you know, my, my mom played a lot of sports. My dad really big into water skiing, uh, wrestling. He did, oh man, track and field and then football. Yeah. You know, he was always, and then on outside of that, what that was done in school where I grew up and the way my, my family grew up very country. So, you know, horses, cows working for my grandpa, my dad ran a feed mill. My mom started her own company and did a, ran a, a bagel store. And they've always done a lot of things. So for me, I grew up thinking, you know, I wanted to do everything. I wanted to be on Broadway. I wanted to be on the swim team. I wanted, I did, I did, I was on the swim team. I swam, I did gymnastics. I played softball. I played soccer. I wanted to barrel race. I wanted to do karate. I, and my parents would always tell me, Brooke, you can't do it all. And I'd be like, yes, I can. Yes, I can. And I'm going to do it all. And I'm going to show you that I can. In fact, I remember one year for my birthday, my dad had got me a birthday card. Like when I was probably like 12, okay, yeah. like 11 or 12, maybe, I don't know, maybe 13, somewhere around there. My memory's not that great. But when you opened it, it sang the song, I want it all. Yeah. I want it all. <laughs> And so it's been a running joke <laughs> family of how I've just wanted to do it all. Yeah. And I said, I was going to do it all, you know, and definitely as you grow up, all of these sports or activity extracurricular, they start to take more time. As you get better, you become more serious. They take more time. And then you're in middle school and you're in high school and then you're trying to work. So it is true. They, they were true in terms of the fact that, at a certain point, you just don't have enough time in the day to be working on all of those things with the enough with enough time and consistency to be, you know, be the best at them. Because in my mind, it was I wanted to be the best at those things. I didn't want to just like do them just for fun. It's like once I I wanted it, like that's what I wanted. So I think naturally, I've just always wanted to live my life to the fullest as much as possible. So, you know, I, I would say, you know, maybe when I, when I went to the CrossFit games, maybe that was the limiting factor for me to podium, you yeah. know, I did very well, but maybe that was a limiting factor because a lot of my competition, if not majority of them, especially at least like top 20, Yep. Yeah, you know, they trained, competed, everything blinders on, nothing yeah. else matters, only the goal right in front of them. And you have to do that. Yeah. I mean, especially in a sport like CrossFit, because that takes all your time. It yeah. takes all your heart. It takes all your energy. It takes all your focus. And, and what's tough too, is like, it's hard 
all the time. It never feels like it's, it never gets easy because as you get better, it just gets harder. It, it shifts everything and it's all that. Yeah. And it, because it is so multifunctional too, right? Yeah. It's like, you can't just be good at kind of, you know, three or four things. You have to be good at everything as well. And, and how did Brooke, how did that, when you went to the games there too, you probably like even when you were swimming and doing those things, you you didn't have the level of celebrity that suddenly you had yeah. after that. How was how does that factor into it too? That you know, like not only do you have to dedicate so much time, and maybe that's part of you know making some of those decisions, but the other side is you you became a pretty big celebrity out of out of that sport as well at that time. Yeah, um, it's so it's funny because I I do understand that. Right. Like, and I, and I have a lot of people close to me. Um, and then obviously too, when I meet, when I, I, I meet people in, in airports or yeah. at the park or at ski resorts or at Zion national park, I do realize that I do have this um, popularity, but I never really considered myself celebrity. Mm-hmm. So, and in, on one hand, maybe that's a big reason why a lot of people when they do meet me or when they, I guess, give me a, um, an, their opinion of how they feel, you know, they, they tell me like, oh, you're very uh, approachable and related, you know, they feel like when they meet me, they, I'm the exact same person that they thought I would be from mm-hmm. watching me on TV or listening to me on podcasts or on my Instagram. And it's such a breath of fresh air for them in terms of, you know, I am humble Mm -hmm. and I do try to uh, remain that way. And also I think a big, big reason why is I never really considered myself that important, like, like that cool, you know, (laughs) I, I always have tried to remind myself that, I mean, I am a cool person. I, I do feel like I'm a really good sister, daughter, friend. Um, I'm very protective, territorial, and um, I really I love very deeply and very hard. But I've always tried to remind myself that I mean, I only I'm cool because all these people they they give me that. Like I am cool. Like I am a cool person. <laughs> but also to have now this platform or this opportunity to, to help so many people that I never would have had the chance to do because there's no way I could actually meet them in person or run into them in a coffee shop or, you know, it's because of them that I have it. And I remind myself of that because realistically, you know, all of us that you could say this about any sport, but in terms of just speaking for myself, we're just really good at working out. Yeah. You know, like yeah. Yeah. it's an extracurricular. I always tried to remind people of that, especially like young kids when their parents would come to me and would want advice. Like, what do I do for her, for him? And I said, let I just remember, like, this is a, it's an extracurricular. You know, if we decide to really put all our, like put all of our focus in that and it becomes something like, hell yeah. But we never really know you know, where it's going to go. And in, on any, in any professional sport, your time is so small. Like the amount of time that you are able to be that is so small in terms of life that don't, as a, as a young kid, try and really motivate your children to keep trying all kinds of things because 
it really sucks. Like for me, okay. I did cry. I found CrossFit. I mean, I, I love it. I loved it. Right. I found it in 2008, 2008, mm-hmm. when I was getting ready to audition for a show. I danced in college. So today audition for a show called La Rev in Las Vegas. And I needed to learn how to do some like gymnastic type stuff and climbing and just, I, I just needed, I wanted to feel more prepared. And a friend of mine mentioned this new gym that opened here in Southern Utah. And I went and checked it out and it was a CrossFit gym. And I've always been very athletic and I've been very built genetically and I loved it. And I tried it and that's how I found CrossFit, you know, and I didn't really focus. I didn't really commit myself to training for competition as an individual. That was in 09. Fast forward, we can skip over all the Utah stuff, but I had moved to California. I was watching the CrossFit Games in 2013, and I'm sitting at the CrossFit Games, in, I'm spectating, and I'm watching, and my old team that I competed with in Northern Utah, Ute CrossFit, they won the Games, right? They won the Affiliate Cup, and I'm sitting in the yeah. audience, and I'm watching. <laughs> We're down in Carson, California, and I'm like, I want to do that. Yeah. I want to do that. Like, I want to be out there. And at this point, I had no idea if I could be that good because there is a huge, you know, it takes a lot of hard work, a lot of time and long time. You don't just get games ready overnight. It's accumulation of working every day over a long period of time if you're going to do it the right way. And so after the games, I checked, I talked to my coach and I was like, Tommy, I was like, I want to do this. And he looked at me and he was like, you sure? And I said, yes. And he goes, you're not going to like it. And I go, I know, (laughs) you know, because there was a lot of style of training, anything to do with endurance. Like um, I had activity induced asthma, I had asthma growing up Mm -hmm. and uh, I just, there were certain things I just, I couldn't get past the pain and it was a fear, you know, when I couldn't really breathe and my chest would get really tight. It was such a fear that I had to work past this idea that like, I remember working out and being in that position where I couldn't breathe and I'm out on a run and my chest is really tight and you start breathing really fast and not quite hyperventilating, but I had to tell myself and I'd have this thought in my head, like, Hey, I think on a run. Hey, you know, you feel like you're not getting any air, but you are, you know, calm down, you know, and it was just so much work that mentally, but I committed to competing for one year, I was like, okay, I'm going to do this for one year. I lived in in Santa Cruz, California. My coach was Tommy Hackenbrook. He was in Northern Utah and he would send me programming and I trained by myself every day. And I wow. committed to, for one year. And I thought, you know, at the end of the year, if I hate it and it sucks, then I'm done. I won't do it. I won't compete anymore. And I'll just keep doing CrossFit for, you know, fitness. Yeah. And I made it through the year. I went to, I qualified for regionals. It was my first time competing at uh, regionals in California. I was terrified. <laughs> and it wasn't until that first event, which was a max hang snatch, I think. And I won the first event, my first time competing out mm-hmm. there. I think I, I hang snatched like 185. Yeah. And this is back in 2014. And it wasn't until then that I even realized how much better I had gotten mm-hmm. because I competed. I trained by myself all the time. Now, you know, a lot of people will tell you, oh, you have to train with people that are better than you. 
if you only train by yourself, like you have to train with people that, are, that push you that are better than you. Yeah. Well, you can't say that about everybody because for me, no amount of like, if I'm training with someone and I'm always losing, yeah, right. If there's this sense of I'm always behind this person, yeah, that really will run that that's going to continue on to where you place yourself all the time in competition. And for right. me, it was if I'm in a competition and I'm in the middle of a workout and I've got, you know, cause my coach a few years ago would always say like, all right, he'd like create a story while I'm doing a work. He'd create it in, in my head. Like, all right, you're on this workout and you got so-and-so and so-and-so's right on right next to you. And I'd literally look at him and be like, no, you know, because no amount of me having, like if I'm already pushing myself as hard as I can go, yeah. no amount of this sense of losing is yeah. going to fire me up to make me go. And that's that, interesting because a lot of people they do think that it's that that it's it's the internal feeling of of not wanting to lose. Whereas yeah. there are lots of people like you that it is it's more about an intrinsic thing just within yourself. And I I think that's lost on a lot of people or yeah. or how they're coached as well across sports. Because for me, for me to train by myself, for me to have to get myself to go to the gym by myself and get my work done by myself and train myself to to push myself to the point, like a hundred percent to the, where I needed to be training and the energy and the, the level or the, the pace I needed to be training at every day. I had to train myself in my own mind to be able to do that for myself. Because when you're out on the competition floor, it's not a combat sport. It's not like a, there's, there's no interaction. You're not playing touch football or tackle football. It's like, it's yeah. only you. You cannot yeah. control anyone else. You can't control if Annie T's next to me and she's crushing me. Like yeah. all I can do is I have to be able to control my own mind and my own body. And if I can't make myself go faster or go, or go harder or take less breaks, no one else, no amount of someone next to me that's right on my tail or I'm right behind them. No amount of that is going to make me go harder because if I'm already training, if I'm already competing or doing the workout at the, the rate that I can do, like that's it. Yeah. And I can't, I can't give anymore. Yeah. So if I train, if I practice always having to like, always needing to, I don't know. I think it's just, it's such a matter of like knowing yourself yeah. and what kind of competitor you are. Um, well, even, it, just in, even just in the gym, because for me, by losing yeah. or having to imagine someone beating me, that doesn't make it, it discourages me. Yeah. Well, you know? it's, it's interesting because uh, I think that's a change that's happened in, in lots of places as well. Because we've talked to um, actually a, a lady who is a mental performance person for the Yankees. And it's a very individual sport, even though baseball is a team sport. And, and how much of the old way of coaching was exactly that is that, you know, there was this idea where it was you against everybody else, rather than it being more about how do you make it more against you getting better? And how do you keep focused on that? It, it is interesting how it's evolved so much because there are many, many athletes that that whole us, me against you doesn't necessarily fit for them. So yeah, it's it, well, and now one of the big things that had kind of shifted you into some of the stuff that you're doing now is that, you know, you, you obviously had, had kind of really quickly kind of risen through the ranks there. And then you did have, um, you know, injury issues. Um, can you talk through that? Because I, I mean, I would assume that would have been very difficult to deal with at the time that that happened. 
It was very difficult. So I went to the CrossFit, I'll kind of give cliff notes, but CrossFit Games 2015, great showing. That year leading into the games, everything was just moving so fast. Sponsorships, competitions, training, you know, social media, things were just moving so fast that it was almost as if my identity was me being a CrossFit Games athlete. Yeah. And I didn't realize it. So, I mean, and I had, I had insecurities growing up and in college and, you know, but things when I, when you're so busy, you don't really end up realizing those are still there or putting time to focus on them because you get to stay busy with all this other stuff that's moving so fast in your life. Yeah. So 2016, I um, did the whole open in uh, the UK and in Italy because I was filming Wonder Woman. Yeah. Um, I almost turned down that opportunity because I was so, it just was disrupting. When I found out that it was, wasn't filmed in the U S I had no yeah. idea. Um, yeah. I almost said no, because I thought, Oh my God, like I, my whole life is about my training. I mean, mm-hmm. I've been training every day for years, you know, a couple of years now. I don't want to throw that away, you know? And it's like, and now I'm a games athlete. Like there's no way I can't go to the games next year. Yeah. You know, it's as if I like, I crossed that, like checked that off the box. I did all that work to become a games athlete. And now I'm that, and I can never be anything but that. And I, I ended up, I did the movie, me and my coaches discussed it. You know, I was so nervous of like, what if I do it? And um, I let my coaches down because I loved to succeed for myself, but really like what, makes me unbelievably happy was to see my coaches and like my parents be so proud of me. Yeah. And so I talked to them, we figured it out that it was like, you know what you at that time after 2015, it was like, I was the strongest female in the field. So even if I couldn't be lifting a bunch, you know, even if I lost a little, a little bit of strength, it didn't matter. Like I would still, I, I would be okay, you know, and, and we could do it. We could figure it out. So did the movie issue there is uh, I ended up getting tendonitis in my knee. So horribly bad. And I was over there for a long time with no one to help me. I was doing all my own Graston and just trying to stretch and doing all my training on top of all the filming and running in sand. And I, you know, dealt with a lot of things also came home to head to regionals in 2017, uh, sorry, 2016 with e- E. coli. So, I mean, <laughs> nothing like compounding everything. Yeah, yeah. I, got really, I got really sick. I went out to dinner, a place I'd eaten before over oh, in, wow. in England uh, with my friends the night before I left and woke up that morning and could barely get out of bed. It was awful. So, wow. fast forward, I go to regionals. I do my absolute best. I did really well for what, how my preparation was so much different than yeah. everything else's. And I'm talking, I left for Europe middle of January. Yeah. So I was there until like two weeks before regionals. Wow. And <laughs> so my prep was a lot different than everyone else. <laughs> I'm sure. Or going into the final event, I'm in California regional. And I think there were like, like f- at least five of us that were all in contention for that third, third place spot. Mm-hmm. And um, the last event, it was a rope climb thruster event, which I was so excited for because it was my jam, yeah. you know, and I was, I was fired up, up. I was yeah. fired up about it. 
And there were two women I needed to beat in order to qualify. And I can't remember the second one. I can't remember their names. I'm not going to try right now. It's okay. But yep. I basically, I beat one of them. I took, I think I took second in that event, but I beat, yeah. I beat one of them, but the other girl I needed to beat, she won that event. And so I didn't qualify. Right. Yeah. So this was like the first moment of like hit to my ego and fast forward. I ended up dealing with uh, imposter syndrome for a while, yeah. which apparently is really common in uh, successful women. Yep. And, uh, you know, we go through 2016 and games are over and I start training for 2017. Yep. At this point going into, you know, where it's like November 2017 and I am the strongest I had ever been. I am the fittest I had ever been. I will say that I, I didn't, I don't, like that what I ended up doing was training with a little bit of like a chip on my shoulder, like that motivates a lot of people. But for me, I think it just didn't have me in a positive enough mindset, you know, which, so, and what I mean by that is that my year of training could have been more enjoyable. Yeah. Cause you're coming from a negative Mm -hmm. uh, mindset instead of the positive space. Right. Because I just really wanted to, there were so many trolls online and I, yeah. You know, so I was kind of going into it like I was. I wanted to prove it to myself that I did deserve to be there, and that I did. I have done the work, and that I am a games athlete, and that I am very good. And I wanted to prove it to all the people that were just talking shit. And yeah. uh, fast forward, you know, I was. Uh, let's see, I was power snatching one ninety five. One ninety five. No, sorry, power. I power snatched one eighty five. One ninety. Man, it's been a long time. I was snatching two ten. Just I was. I was very strong. You're ready to go. Yeah. I was very strong. I was very excited and was home for Christmas. Woke up one morning at my parents' house where I am now to Mm -hmm. go work out. And I was just rolling out by the fire, getting ready to warm it up to go work out. And I just got a weird, I just started to seize up through my upper back and up my neck and um, didn't know what it was. Went to the chiropractor. My ribs were all out. I had tons and tons of nerve pain down my arm, saw a chiropractor, my ribs were all out, they adjusted me and I just kept having issues. And so I was, I didn't do anything, right? I just woke up. Yeah. I thought, and I thought that I'd slept wrong. So I slept on the floor the next night. Yeah. I thought it was like my, the bed. Just stretch it out. And yeah. <laughs> that was really bad. I yeah. woke up I was in the middle of the night, just sobbing, like just grown woman in my parents' yeah. room, sobbing my eyes out. Yeah. I basically, because nothing had, I hadn't done anything, hadn't like tweaked anything. I just woke up with like a kink and my ribs kept coming out. I didn't, you know, I was just slowing down my training. I was seeing a chiropractor about four days a week being adjusted. And um, at a certain point, my chiro, he told me, because we couldn't figure it out. I couldn't figure it out. He said, you might need to go to get an MRI. You might have like a, a bulge disc or something like that. And I was like, mm-hmm. what are they going to do for that? You know, and I'm like, okay. So then in my mind, I'm like, okay, that's fine. It's yeah. fine. We're like dangerously I'll close. Just get it fixed. Yeah. <laughs> open. I'm like, oh, that's fine. You know, I'll just get a shot. Uh, yeah. Inflammation will go down. I'll compete. And then we'll figure yeah. it out when competition's over. Well, I had scheduled an MRI because he wanted me to. And this is, so I started having pain probably like December 23rd, 2016. And I finally got it checked the day that the open, I finally got an MRI the day the open started, which is in February. Mm-hmm. And um, 
The reason I put it off is because I went and saw my a doctor. I cannot remember what. Oh my goodness, they work with ner- your nerves, like your nerves. Yeah. Can't remember what they're called. Yeah, uh, I know. I know what you mean because I have friends who've been to them too for their backs. The exact same thing. It's not a neurologist, but it's one specifically no. for back basically, neurology. And yeah, well, they basically do. They manipulate your nerve, your nervous, yes. your nerve. So it's yep. a lot of nerve flossing and a lot of opening up tissue because right. you know, things get bogged up and it can be a very painful experience. And I hadn't seen him. His name is Brian Johnson. Incredible guy. If you, if anyone yeah. is in Santa Cruz, California, and is looking for someone, yeah, um, but. I went and saw him and I hadn't seen him in a long time. The last time I had seen him was a couple of years prior because I was having so much biceps tendon pain. Yeah. And so I, you know, I explained to him how it started and he immediately just laid me down on the table and was filling down my spine. And he said, it felt like the tissue definitely felt like maybe I had pulled up, pulled a muscle. Right. And so he worked on me, no pain. Like it wasn't really painful at all. And I went home that night was the first night since before it started that I slept all night because it always was the worst at night and in the morning. Like I remember Mm -hmm. getting up out of bed in the morning in so much pain, like making breakfast where I couldn't look down. I'd have, I would, and I just constantly had just nerve pain down my arm. Nothing told me that it was up here. Yeah. But the referred pain down the arm. Yeah. Yeah. So it felt better. I canceled the MRI and I'm thinking like, oh, it's a, it's just a pulled muscle. So it's going to take time to heal. Of course, that's why it's, yeah. it hurts a lot. And of course, that's why it was so bad. Yeah. And um, so I went back to training and this is right before uh, the open started. <laughs> and um, I remember I was working out the workout um, called for legless rope climbs. And I remember I went to run and jump and I jumped on the rope. And I slid all the way down. Yeah. I had lost all my grip strength. I couldn't yeah. hang from a pull-up bar. I couldn't mm-hmm. hold the rope. I was terrified. I mean, yeah. I'm calling Brian and I'm like, you gotta, you gotta get me in. You gotta do something. Like you gotta, you have to do something for me right now. You know, I just sat out an entire, I just didn't make the games the year before. I just trained yeah. every day for so long for this moment to come back. And, um, he worked on me and it was the first time that when he was done, I actually felt worse. So before I felt better. And in my mind, if we manipulate this, there's our soft tissue and there's a deeper issue and you open it up, you're going to feel a lot more pain. You know, we we protect that area. So when he worked on me the first time I felt better after. So this was the first time that I felt worse after. And um, so I called the MRI, went and got it done. They announced the first workout, which was like a, burpee box jump and something else type workout Yeah. and in 2017. And uh, I remember I went in, I did the workout. <laughs> Jeez. I'm I, sure bo- uh, box jumps were great for it. I'm yeah. sure. <laughs> I, went in, I went in to see my chiropractor the next morning because I had them send the MRI to his office. And I remember laying on the table and his assistant had zero bedside manner. And I just hear him out in the front office and I just go, oh, he just says like, you can't, you, she can't compete. You can't let her do this. And I'm thinking I'm laying on the table and I'm like, and I was like, what are you talking about? I was immediately in denial, like angry Yeah. because he starts just telling me, you know, he's like, Brooke, it, it gets down to like, he's like, you need to think about your quality of life. And I'm like, what are you talking about? 
And he's like, you know, you really, you really, you cannot compete. He's like, you can't, you need to be careful. And I'm like, what are you talking about? He shows me the MRI. I see it. And I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah. I got a bulge. I got a bulge disc. And I kept telling him, I'm like, first of all, I mean, I was thinking I was, you guys, I think I was this mean. In fact, I know I was, I was in such an emotional denial that I basically told him, I was like, you're a chiropractor. You're not even qualified to read an MRI and tell me what I can and cannot do or what I should, or I should not do. Yeah. You know, I'm going to wait till I have a second opinion. So at this point though, I've got, um, one of my coaches, my, my gymnastics coach is actually an ears, nose and throat surgeon. So by day he is a surgeon and then by night and afternoon, he, cause he was a gymnast growing up. He does all the gymnastics for brute strength. So I'm calling Nick and I sent Nick my MRI, Nick Sorrell. Yeah. And he told me later that when he got it, he knew how bad it was, but yeah. he did not want to be the one to tell me that yeah. my season was over, you know? Yeah. So he was calling, he called and called and called and called and got me into the best spine guy in California at Stanford at the time. And um, his name was Dr. Ivan Chang, and he is just the most amazing surgeon and just doctor. And I've sent a lot of people to him. So the next, it was the, it was the last day to do this open workout, right? Yeah. Dr. Chang got me in to see him without a referral. I went in, I was his first appointment that morning and I sat in the office and he comes in so sweet, (laughs) put my MRI up on the screen and he goes, he just looks at it and he goes, do you see? How if your disc tries to herniate anymore, there's actually nowhere for it to go. There's no room. And it, my, my cervical, my, um, my spinal cord Mm -hmm. was pinched in half. And from the side angle, it, it looked like, um, I mean, it was pinched in half. Yeah. It was pretty bad. And then we didn't know how long it had been like that. And I had lost. I mean, at this point, I couldn't spray a hairspray bottle. Oh, wow. <laughs> if, I was, if I was cold, I couldn't yeah. text. I couldn't use my thumb. I couldn't touch my phone. Yeah. Um, I couldn't hold a fist. It was, it was pretty bad. And he just said, he's like, if there's no way of knowing if or when it will try to herniate anymore. And if it does, he's like, you will have severe permanent damage. Mm-hmm. So I start sobbing, you know, and he said, he's like, he took my MRI, my scan to multiple other doctors to see like, if they could see something that he couldn't, like, is there something that yeah. we can tell her that is not what I see? And it wasn't, it was no. my, my best option was a ACDF cervical fusion. So mm-hmm. I have a plate and four screws in my C6, C7. Wow. And but it's a bone graft infusion. I have a yeah. you can, I have a scar right here. Yeah. When I work out, when it, like the blood, my blood's pumping. Yeah, yeah, you can see it. Red. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Uh, which I think is very cool. In fact, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was always a kid that liked scars and bruises, and when I looked tough. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I that day wow. realized I my season was over. I yeah. was devastated. Yeah. Um, I will say that at this point, because 2016, I didn't qualify and I had, I went through all of this um, just personal growth and having to fight through imposter syndrome. And I was reading a lot of books and, you know, I came a lot of like deep insecurities I've had since I was really little mm-hmm. growing up, like all, all came, everything came to a head yeah. and I was sort of forced to have to figure it out. 
Yeah. And so at this point, it, I was not happy. I was totally devastated, but I did, I was able to pick myself up and move on, move forward faster than I had, I would have been able to, if I hadn't been through all the other, you know, ups and downs. Prior uh, did, to this uh, did all of those things build your resilience? Does it come from somewhere for you? I mean, obviously, you know, you talked about having imposter syndrome. You talked about all of these different things that have kind of built up. Is that what create, like, can resilience be taught? Is it something that you've, you've been able to, to bring from some, someone else? Where, where does that come from for you? Uh, well, I do think that it is through experiences. I do have really wonderful parents that have taught by, led by example. Yeah. Um, through, I mean, my parents had nothing, you know, and have worked for everything that they have. Yeah. And we've all worked very, you know, they, they all worked very hard. They've always, they coached, my mom coached our sports. All yeah. my siblings played sports and in sports, you know, you fail. I think that I was learning that from a young age, but I think that through these experiences as an adult, it really, you get, you come to a point where it's like, especially when it's really bad. And what's, what's tough too. And I hope people, I know people will understand this is like, and this has helped me understand other people Mm -hmm. uh, better is things I could have been going through. Like for instance, Oh, I didn't qualify for the CrossFit games. I mean, it's not the end of the world, right? Yeah. Not the yeah. end of the world. Oh my yeah. God. Oh, trolls. Oh, people online are saying mean things about you. Well, they don't actually know you. Yeah. Like, you know, it's stupid. You know, they're just trolls. You know, it's like they're invisible people. Well, here's the thing is <laughs> it doesn't matter how small an outsider might see these things. If in your life, you are so unbelievably devastated. Mm-hmm. You know, these things matter so much to you. No one else can really understand them. If I'm having such an emotional, deep response to not qualifying, or, you know, I've grown up with my own insecurities about myself and my body and my abilities that now all of a sudden I don't qualify for the games. And I've got like how many people on social media just bashing me. Of course, they don't know me. I'm logical. Of course, I know they don't know me, but I'm still reading the things. And though mm-hmm. every time I read something like it's almost feeding yeah, and kind of chips away at it, like an insecurity that I may have yeah. had, even if it's not a realistic one. Yeah. Um, and that eats at you. Yeah. And, and that have, I think that's happening to everybody, you, but you kind of come to a point where it's like, how am I going to respond to this? Yeah. Like, how did, how did you do that? I mean, cause that that's, uh, there's obviously a bit of a switch that starts to happen uh, or at some point there had to have been something where it started moving you ahead. And, and now you're at a point actually where like what you just said probably helps way more people than ever you ever would have helped in just doing kind of your CrossFit stuff. Uh, what was it that, that kind of flipped the switch for you? Well, I will say that my dad, uh, my dad has always taught me in a way that is that I'm like a problem solver. So you know, <laughs> my mom, I hope she's not listening. <laughs> I was growing up, you know, my mom was the type, like if I did something bad, I don't know, or I got in trouble for something yeah, and she would get after me. Well, that would tend to, to roll into like, let's talk about all the things that you've messed up on. 
right? Yeah. Everyone knows someone like that. Everyone's got a grandma or a mom or someone. Sure. Like, yeah, you did this and you did this, you did this, and you did this, <laughs> and you did this, and you're like, holy crap. Okay, can we just handle one thing right now? <laughs> yeah. I did. You know, and my dad was the type that where he would say, like, let's say my grades, because there was there was a period of time when I was in growing when I was growing up in middle school, there was an algebra. Mm-hmm. And I, with the teacher I had, I was just really struggling to keep my grades up. And it wasn't because I wasn't trying. It was like, I just couldn't comprehend the way she was teaching. Well, my parents put a rule in place for me that uh, I loved my dance. I did it every single day. I was in, I danced a lot. I was performing all the time. I had to keep my grades to a certain letter and at the end of every quarter, if I didn't have them there, then I would be grounded from the things that I loved for a quarter. Yeah. This was, this never happened, but it put the fear of God in me. It, and I, I always tell people now with like my nieces and nephews or other kids, I'm like, don't do that to them because I will say that I then learned through fear. Yeah. And so a lot of things I learned is all very short term because I had to please my teacher you know, right. it's like testing, testing. And so I really didn't really learn things that I wish that now I would have been like, oh yeah, I know how to do that. <laughs> yeah. You know, I learned it enough to pass yeah. a test and get good. It grade. was, it was rote learning. You weren't really, you were just kind of doing yeah. a really good job memorizing or doing whatever you had to do to get through, but probably yeah. not retaining much of any yeah. of it at that and point. Unfortunately, the way that the school systems are, I think that a lot of kids end up learning like that, but mm-hmm. My dad would basically say, you know, hey, like, you know, I'd get in trouble. And then he would say, here's the problem. You can't do anything about it now. Yeah. You can't, you can't, but what are you going to do about it next? Like what's the next steps to fix it? Or what's the next steps we can take to move on from it? Yeah. And that was a kind of a way that he, he taught me all growing up. So that's been instilled in me for my whole life. Yeah. You know, and it, it can, there is a period of time of like grieving <laughs> yes. know, through these things that are like, feel like, like life altering or um, just so unbelievably devastating that yeah. there is a period of time where it's, it, for me, it's like, it can almost feel debilitating, like how I'm, how upset I am. Yeah. And what's hard, what's crazy too, is like, for me, it's, I internalize it. So I could be out and about, but I might be like really suffering on the inside. Yeah. And what I have to do is like, I realize how much I'm suffering or how much, how upset I am about this or like not qualifying or it's like, okay, what what do I do? What can I do? Yeah. I don't want to feel like this. I know that I can do better and I still want X, Y, Z. So how we'll just like, what's my next step? What's, what's just the next one thing that I got to do. That's just going to put me in the direction that I want to go. Okay. Let's do that. You know, and I, I kind of basically wrap my head around this idea of like, I can't change it. And the more upset about I am, the more upset I am, or for, you know, all this time I spend being upset, yeah. I'm really not in any place to be moving forward. I'm just stagnant and I'm upset and it's only affecting me. You know, it's this, it's this realization of like, you know, whether... I don't know. I'm a woman and I have have a menstrual cycle and like your body weight and water weight is like this constantly. I mean, we go through monthly where, and then you're hormonal and you're like, I know what you're like, I know I'm hormonal. Yeah. 
but I still can't change the fact that every feeling in my body is like, it's very uncomfortable and it's hard to manage, you know? And so when you feel like that, you have to wrap your head around the, the, like the realistic situation of like, okay, this is where I'm at. I don't like um, the number on the scale. I feel really unbound. Have I put myself in this position? Yeah. Okay. Well, how do I fix it? What's, what's like the next step I do? What's one thing that I can do? Well, if I sit here and keep beating myself up about it and I keep being sad and upset, I really am like, it's debilitating. I, you don't have, you don't feel, you know, there's no positivity. You feel like it's a waste of time. You feel like you're never going to be able to change it. And we're just wasting time. We're just wasting minutes. We're wasting opportunities to just start something new, right? To like get out of that stage and move on into a better one. And so I really would just wrap my head around the fact of like, what's my reality? Okay. That's it. Can't do anything about it. This is where I'm at. What's the first thing I can do to change it? I can do this. What's the first thing I can do to change the, uh, you know, my pants being so tight or my jump or like the the number on the scale. I'm going to go running. I'm going to go for a run right now. I'm going to breathe. And I'm and now all of a sudden it's like, you've already taken that step, that first step. You've already, you've already moved on from who you were in that moment. And now it's like, now you get, you get an, it's like another opportunity. And I always, I tell people this and I've done it and I've talked about it in so many interviews or, you know, Q and A's is like, we have, there's so many moments in the day that give us opportunity to make a positive change. And they don't have to be these big things and they don't have to be these, you know, especially because the way life is right now with social media and all this bullshit is like, it's almost as if people need an audience. You don't need an audience. Yeah. You really don't. Because if we do it for an audience or we do it for likes or we do it for an outward response, like mm-hmm. to like cheer us on, yeah. it never, it's never going to be enough. Yeah. We'll, that how we feel will always remain feeling like less than, you know? Yeah. And so for me, it's like, I never really... Some of my friends would actually get upset. Because, not upset. Well, some of my old friends, we're not friends with anymore, would get upset when I wouldn't share how I'm feeling, my my feelings with them. Yeah. And it's not that I didn't. It's not that I don't want to. It's that the type of person I am. I really am pretty introverted, and mm-hmm. I'm very good at extroverting. And I am actually not the first person to recognize that about myself. I had yeah. someone else recognize that about me. Yeah. And so when I go through you know, go through things or I'm trying to work through um, a struggle or a process. It's so I internalize it so much and I talk myself through it and I get myself past it. It's almost like in my mind, I get myself past the point of despair or like um, stagnation. Mm -hmm. And now in my mind, I'm like, okay, I've moved on. Yeah. And and I'm, and, and that's where I am. And I don't actually verbalize it. It's just, it's like a thought process, I'm like a mental checklist I go through to yeah. where the idea to try and explain that, unless I'm, you know, doing a Q and A or I have this opportunity to like really share all the yeah. parts of what that feels like. Yeah. I just do it for myself and, and move forward with it. And what I've told a lot of men and women and people that have asked, like, how do you get past the trolls or how do you get past the haters or how do you ignore that stuff? And like the, the real response or, or when you have insecurities and yeah, what I've found, you know, and until I find a new finding, this is what I truly believe is uh, you never, they never go away. And let's say insecurities. We'll talk about that. They're never yeah. really going to go away. Right. They just, I think that 
especially if they're like deeply rooted. You know, I was teased a lot growing up because of how muscular I was when yeah. I was little. So yeah. I kind of grew up thinking that I was like God messed up. Mm-hmm. You know, like that was my my thought. And that like I was what I needed, I should have looked, I needed to look different to be more feminine or to be able to dance for the dance companies I want to dance for. I was too muscular or, you know, all these things. And so I had like these deeply rooted things. Well, those aren't just going to go away, yeah. you know, because it, it, when I found the CrossFit community, I felt more at home because we're celebrated for our performance. We're not, nothing was really about how you looked, you know, yeah. not not like uh, across the board, like obviously within little groups of friends, people might be really rude or might have a better, a different idea of what they're looking for. But for me, where I was, it was all about performance. And, um, but then when I found myself, when I wasn't like still, when I'm not in that community, you know, when I'm just out and about or with friends at dinner, you know, I still am dealing with the looks, the whispering, the comments, you know? And so over time, with practicing self-talk, you yeah. know, like cues, little short things you can remind yourself of that kind of pull you out of a dark place when you are going through something. You just, you, you practice, you, it's a constant practice and you just get better at moving past those, you know, those moments faster. So the yeah. period of time where you might feel upset or you might be worried or you might be dealing with insecurities becomes shorter and you become way more efficient and proficient at uh, moving past them and reminding yourself yeah. whether it's like just with like an activity or a word or a phrase or a mantra or whatever yeah. that in reality, the, the reality is it doesn't matter. And it can, and that's it's so funny because that's so simple, but it really is the truth, especially yeah. if we just want to talk about myself with you know other people commenting, whether it's on social online on a computer or it's in person and I can hear them. Yeah. Right? Well, the reality is this, and this is something that I really think about, and I think that this could help a lot of people, is and it's not, it's really simple, but um when people are saying XYZ to me or about me, right? It's very hurtful. I have to remind myself of a few things. One, you don't know me. Mm-hmm. So I don't care what you think. I really, I can't, I shouldn't. Yeah. Like I should really not care because you don't know me. You have, you have no evidence. You have no experiences with me. You have nothing. You are just making an assumption because you don't know me and you just, and I don't know, that makes you feel powerful. That makes you feel good about yourself. And like, that's one thing to remember is like, they don't know you. So you really shouldn't care about what they think. And what I try to do is, okay, you're making assumptions out of me and you have an opinion and now you feel comfortable enough to write it or say it, whatever. Well, then I should do the same about you. Here's what I'm going to do. Based on your attitude and how you're treating a stranger, um, let me look at your your job. Do Do you have my dream job? Do you have the happiness? Truly for me, it's like happiness yeah. and the family and friends. Like, do you have something like that, that I want? Are you doing yeah. the job that I want? Do you have the family life that I want? Do you have the happiness that I want? Well, clearly you don't, or you wouldn't be, you wouldn't care to bring me down a complete stranger. 
Well, so and oftentimes that comes from a, a pay, place of not having self-confidence yeah. or being, you know, insecure yourself. Like that's, that's always what they say is that those people that are, that do that most often are coming from a place of, of lack of self-confidence or, or laugh, lack yeah. of security themselves. Right. And, you know, and like, even like that, it's like, we, we know that. Yeah. So, but it, that doesn't mean it's easier. It, it's easy for yeah, you to, to go through that. When you're, in, when you're in the moment yeah. and you're the person that you're reading these things about yourself, yeah. especially if you're in a moment where in your life where you're, you're feeling a little bit insecure or you're going through some hard times, it can just really knock you down. Yeah. And so it's really good to remind yourself of one it's okay that you're having those feelings and having that emotional response. Cause some people would like to tell you like, don't like, why are you so mad? Why are you so upset? If you don't know, they don't know you. It's like, you know, we all know they don't know you. We all know that they're strangers, but people might be going through some stuff that when they, you read more stuff from a stranger, it is really, it's just going to make it tougher for them to like work their way out of this like dark space into the light. And you yourself have to be aware of the fact that like, if you're having an emotional response and I give you this permission, if you're having an emotional response to something like that, that's okay. Now, what my coach used to tell me, you know, after an event, like this happened in 2016, you know, um, and in 2018, when I went back to regionals, because I was nowhere near the athlete that I was. And it was terrifying. I was terrified. He would say, especially in 2016, it was like I had a bad event and I'd be very upset. And he'd say, okay, bro, you can be upset about this for, look at his clock. (laughs) No shit. 10 minutes. Yeah. But as soon as that's up, we're moving forward. You can't bring that into the next event. You know, and it is okay. It's okay. It's okay for you to feel your feelings. Don't let people tell you that you shouldn't feel a certain way. Like it might be like the reality of the situation might be that you're being a little unrealistic, like you're being a little overdramatic or like you really don't need to feel that bad, but no one has the right to tell you how to feel. You know, you have to learn to recognize your own feelings and you have to learn to be able to talk to yourself and realize, okay, I mean, I don't need to be that upset by this. It does bother me, but what are the things like, what is, what's my mental checklist to help me understand that there's so many more things that are important or that are more important. And a lot of things for me, it's reminding myself that like, look at the person, you might not be looking at them. You'll be going to their Instagram page or and you'd be like, okay, well, um, there's nothing that I find that I want to, I want to have for myself. Yep. So at that point, your opinion really doesn't, shouldn't matter to me. Your opinion doesn't matter to me because the opinion that, that should matter is of those closest to you that are there to support you and pick you up and, or of your mentor, right? Like the people yeah. that are there that might be hard on you or might tell you something you don't want to hear, right. but they have the life, they have the happiness, they have the job that you yeah. want and you're after. Then yeah. those are the only people that you should be really taking, you know, taking their opinions into consideration. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I think that, I think that's fantastic because I, I do think that it's, it's interesting to look at those people, but also I, I think you've, you've touched on something there that it's, um, 
you know, that whole idea of it's who you surround yourself with, who you, whose opinions you really value, especially when you get to the point where you are looking at what success looks like, and it could be different at different stages of your life. I mean, you know, I would tell you now that a lot of varied pieces of, uh, of people's life when, when you get a little bit older become more important. Like it's family is just as important as, you know, financial health and all of those for things. Me, and for me, family is the most important for me now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the absolute most important. And it always, it always was, but when I was competing, you, you make sacrifices, right? It's yeah, like, what, yeah. what are you willing to sacrifice for this goal you want or this, the job you want or whatever. And you, you have non-negotiables and things like that. Well, with CrossFit, it was a 24 seven thing. When I was home, I had to get my training in, you know, and my family is very, very supportive. Well, I also lived in California for a long time. And, you know, um, so like my, my biggest fear just a little background, like hands down, since I was a child, my biggest fear is my parents getting old. And that just really is like, I would have um, like night tears. I always had really Mm. nightmares when I was little. Yeah. I have night tears. And, you know, there was just, there was a period of time kind of through like, like surgery and getting through that. And I did 2018 regionals and then um, had some shoulder stuff. And then I went through a divorce, which is, we don't need to get into that, but that was also, yeah. I spent probably about two years of uh, my life fairly uh, situationally depressed. Yeah. And, um, I just, and like, I had already planned on spending more time at home in Utah, but then like all the COVID stuff happened and I got was stuck in Santa Cruz. Fast forward, I'm now home way, way more, but I, you know, all my niece, I'm the youngest of four. So I have all my siblings have kids and yeah. The realization of me seeing my nieces and nephews, I'm like, oh my God, you're so big. <laughs> you're yeah. like graduating high school. And all of that means, like me, myself, I'm 32. It's like, all this means who is getting older? Is my yeah. parents? Is my, my grandma? It is so clear to me. Like, and it's been clear to me, but I was deep in something that I was had committed so much time to. And that's a goal yeah. and you have to be willing to do that. But it's so clear to me now, and it has been, but hands down the most important thing to me if everything i mean if everything falls apart if if every if all this stuff i've built you know none of it ends up working out or you know people end up like you know forgetting about me whatever is how much time i want to be putting towards time spent with the people that really matter the most and the people that have been there for me through all this bullshit and all the ups and downs, you know, and none of those people are on here. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, and, and I think you said a lot of people have, have realized that a little bit differently in the last little while too, than, than maybe ever, ever before, because of, you know, um, all the stuff with COVID and, and all those things as well. Uh, I mean, one of the things is you've built stuff that allows you to also do some of the things that you do, like spend time with your family more than you would have before, but you still have built all of these different kind of, you know, streams of income or different ways of doing it. You know, have you, first of all, what, uh, what did you find? Is there a, has there been a really big challenge for you for that? Tell us a little bit about it. And, and then also just, um, you know, has it been something that you've enjoyed that kind of transition, I guess? Yeah, I guess. Well, one thing you know, I've, I've started a lot of companies yeah. and I say a lot cause it's, you know, more than one, yeah. I've done, a few, I've done a few things and and I've also had some of those things not work out. You know, sure. I, yep. I, I changed my business partners for Enswear for my clothing line. Yep. Um, I started doing that clothing 
happenstance. I, a lot of people think that I, I left Noble to do my own thing. That's not true. We don't need to talk about that today, yeah. but it just was an opportunity that ended up coming to me. And I was like, yeah, you know, yeah. I love the opportunity to learn business because I didn't go to school for business. I yeah. never even realized how good I was at it. But I think that I learned a lot of things because my parents were both business owners and I've watched them and been around a lot of how they ran their very successful businesses for a long time. But I've, you really learned like being an entrepreneur, you learn things that, that suck and that end up not working out, but you have to be willing to take the chance and, and to try something new. And I think something that I've learned is pick business partners wisely. Mm-hmm. Um, you do have to, you can't do it all on your own. If you want to, you know, you can always start on your own, but at a certain point you do need help. So being, you know, particular about who you, you work with, I do have some friends, like one of my close, really, really close buddies. He's actually my business partner with my training program yeah. and we are friends and we work very well together, you know, but I have had people in the past that, you got to have the same mindset. You got to, you got to know how to, you got to look at business the same. You got to, yeah. you got to both be on the same page that like, it really is, you really has to be separate from friendship or separate from family. Yeah, You have to be, you have to be able to like, you know, take criticism and know that it's for the good of the business or the good of the plan. Right. Yeah. And then we, and get over it, even though it sounds harsh, be able to get over it. And we, we, uh, we don't mean it. You're, you, you, that person or me, myself, you don't mean it in to hurt this person. It's that this is very serious and this is what we're doing. And this is why we got to talk to each other about this, you know, X, Y, Z. Yeah. Some people, if it's friends or family, they don't function in a good way when yeah. it comes to business. Well, because there's there's so many emotional ties with that too, and and it's not like you want to separate business completely from that, but that is no. a big part of being in business is being able to, you know, keep a culture that you want, keep the decisions well, when, under a value set. So, and when you're starting something, right? Like when yeah. you're being an entrepreneur, you know, that's where it's like it is tough, but it's exciting. You know, yeah. one thing that I've loved so much about doing it is learning a lot, yeah, yeah. and learning. Um, you know, just new skills or how to do certain things, kind of how to, again, like problem solve, but through, let's see. I guess advice I would, I have is something that I've kind of told myself. And actually there's this thing that some people might not like this, but a buddy of mine said it to me and my ex years ago, we were walking through CVS and we were, it was a weekend and we were all, you know, having a party or hanging out. And he said, something costs a lot of money. And he said, he goes, it's just money. We'll make it back. You know, and I've kind of, that's like been almost a, a mantra in moments where I feel like the walls are coming in, or you feel like things aren't working out. Things might be working, not working out, feel like they're really messed up and you start to feel like something's broken and it can't be fixed. Yeah. Right. Or, but the reality of it is like, in my mind is like, look at my age. Do I plan on like, am I, do I plan on not working? Yeah. No. So <laughs> I'm going to work. I'm always going to be working. If I'm going to be starting businesses or I'm going to be, if I have an idea and I really want to, you know, I'm going to bring it to fruition and not be scared of trying, even though I might fail. 
Well, then the reality situation is, it's like, I might, it, I might fail, but hey, it's just money and I'm going to make it back and it's going to, you know, and things will work out um, because there is such a level of fear that not only other people, but myself have sure. Sure. When, when deciding to like bring an idea or a thought to fruition. Yeah. Well, it's, you're totally why? investing yourself too, and, and, right? And, like and why though? Why? Yeah, the reason yeah. I would say is why, the why is because it's easier to not, because it's so much easier to not put yourself in a position where you really have to put yourself out there or you have to, you know, allow yourself to maybe fail. Yeah. Wow. But, you know, that's also why, you know, you might get to a certain age and you'll you know, but you don't want to be the person that says like, what if, and I think about that. It's like, I don't want to say what yeah. if, like I might end up doing too many things and some of those things might not work out, but yeah. if a couple of them do work out. Yeah. Well, well, and they all, they all bring some kind of experience too, right? Like yeah. even if one does fail, you've, you've learned from it and it's, it's in many times, in many ways, it's, it's a cool experience anyway. So, mm-hmm. so that's cool. So I, I know I've kept you longer than I said I would, Brooke, but maybe. Uh, I don't I mean, even it's think been, it's you. I, I think it was probably me. Cause I, well, can, I, I mean, I, I tell you, it's, it's been a great conversation. I really appreciate it. And, and so one thing we didn't touch on that I, I want to make sure that, you know, if people are trying to follow you, I'm sure they can find it and we'll have it in the notes yeah. and everything. But talk to us about how do they how do they follow some of those things that you have going on right now with your programming and stuff? Yeah, you can follow me at Brooke Entz on Instagram. I'm not as active on Facebook <laughs> or Twitter, yeah. so yeah. Instagram. And um, I would follow Naked Training. So Naked Training on Instagram is my training program. And we're actually right now we've opened enrollment for our New Year Transformation Challenge. And that is going to roll right into our Naked Summer Retreat, which is our second ever uh, retreat. There's only 15 spots. We like to keep it smaller so we can really hang out with all the people that come out. And we're doing it in Southern Utah, in St. George, Utah, where I'm from. It's a summertime thing. We'll be boating, hiking, Zion National Park, eating, and then, of course, training. So our top three finishers are going to get their retreats completely paid for. And then our top one transformation will have flight, everything paid for um, to get out here for that. And that is, you can go nakedtraining.app. You can also download the app from the app store or Google Play. And uh, Athea Skin is a skincare company that I helped start and they are launching lots of new products. Um, They just launched a new dry shampoo. And, but if you ask me, the face masks, the sheet face masks are a yeah. game changer, um, especially me in the winter in Utah. It's very dry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Athea Skin. I'm also working with uh, Direct Hemp, if you guys are interested in HCBD. Yep. And my podcast. I do a yeah. podcast. Uh, I will say it's, you know, me and Gina, my best friend. It's, fun. it's really cool to listen to. <laughs> I'm 32. She's 52. And we really, we've been doing, we have been doing this for so much longer than we ever thought we would be doing it. Yeah. Because the first time we started, it was like, okay, we committed to a year and uh, we didn't know if people would really enjoy it. We really just, it's called Between the Reps. And it's between the reps with Brooke and Gina. And we have, we do have guests on, but a lot of the time too, we just talk about real life stuff that we are going through or that some of our listeners are going through. And we answer a lot of questions and really just give advice from personal experience. Um, We are not specialists and we are not, you know, uh, you're not doctors, but you've been through it all. (laughs) 
and and I will I will tell you though, like that's and if you haven't listened to it, make sure you do, and we'll put it in the show notes too, so that um, people can click through because um, it is it's entertaining, but at the same time, I think a lot of people, I mean, they would have got that from the conversation today. Is you guys are pretty real, and I think it's even just the the things you talk about are um, are things everybody would be interested in because it's just a lot part of, of lives, a lot right? Of tab- a lot of taboo topics. Yeah. <laughs> And, the, and they, they don't need to be. And I think that's what me and Gina, when we are, we get through hard times through laughter. We have very dark humor yeah. and uh, that's something that just really works for us. But we do talk a lot about taboo topics, things that every, I would say, because we're women, we go through or experience. And for a lot of people, they may, you may, you could get triggered by us a little bit. Um, I recommend if you are someone who find yourself, you get triggered easily try it out, come to it with no expectation and just know that everything we discuss, it's uh, it's not to trigger anyone. I mean, we are just so willing to have conversation about real life situations and do our best to converse back and forth to see like, how can we help? Like, what can we shed light on through our own personal experiences, which is like me, 32, my best friend, she's 52. So we really come from um, different backgrounds, different years of experience. And, uh, and that's, that's what we're doing and having, and we have a very fun time doing it and we're trying to keep it going, even though we are so far apart now, because I'm in in California. Well, Hey, and, and that's, that's the good thing about podcasts is that you can, you can do that from afar and it'd be, uh, it'd be okay. And, and if you haven't hit subscribe on the podcast, make sure you do that. Now we have great guests just like Brooke every week. And again, you know, I know you're really busy. You've, you've, shared lots with us today and, and shared lots of time. So I appreciate that. But um, uh, again, Brooke, it's, it's been a real pleasure and uh, learning from your journey. So thanks so much for, for yeah. joining us today. You're welcome. Cool. Thank you for All right. Well, and we will talk to everybody else again on Big Idea, Big Moves. Thanks for listening to the Big Idea, Big Moves podcast. Be sure to drop us a comment on Apple Podcasts and follow us on Instagram at bigidea underscore big moves. We love to hear your feedback. Till next time, remember, big change comes from small, consistent actions.